We started to tell people we were going to buy this building. We were all high on life and everyone thought we were absolutely crazy. And How much did you buy it for? It was for a pound, but we, we yeah. never, we never, we might owe them a pound. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it looked like a war zone. It still had its sparkle, the building. Mm. It just sort of glimmered a little bit in the light. It's to make the place better for Burnley, the people that live in Burnley, and to bring people back to Burnley as well and, you know, complement the offer that already exists and, and work together to strengthen that. Hi Sophie, hi Michelle, hi Steve, how are you? Very good, well, thank, thank you. you. Not good. bad, thanks. Welcome to High Point and uh, also thanks for having me in Burnley. Uh, it's, it's always that uh, the thing where I say welcome, but there's also, I also visit people and places. So thanks for having me and taking time. Can I first ask you to introduce yourselves, who you are, your position and your position at the Trust Empire? Burnley Empire Trust. So I'm Sophie Gibson, I'm the chair of Burnley Empire Trust. I come from an arts background and also have some knowledge of fundraising. So I do a bit of everything. I think we all do a bit of everything. Okay, so I'm Michelle Hurst. Um, I got involved with Burnley Empire Trust as a trustee about two and a half years ago after having a couple of brilliant chats with Sophie and she got me excited and, and, and I got involved. Um, I'm a chartered accountant, um, so I've worked in corporate businesses for 20 odd years, um, so hopefully can bring some of that um, to the party. Hi, I'm Steve Hogg. I've been involved for about six years, I think. Um, I also have my own stonemason company, which brings an asset of what I thought to help get the empire back up and running. Great. And we wanted to do the episodes in the Empire, but there's a big generator that produces a lot of noise, so we've not been able to do that. Uh, and so where where are we? Uh, so at the moment, we sat in the salon, previously known as the Red Triangle Cafe, previously known as 160. Um, and so thankfully, Jay Redman, the owner, helped us out and he's always been kind and generous and supportive for anything that we've done. And... As, as soon as I sort of reached out and asked if, if there was any room for us, he said yes, so without hesitation. So I'm really grateful that is. Do you know when it will be open? So the salon, I believe they have... So it, it's just sort of been reborn as the salon recently. Um, and there was an event last Saturday, I think, that may have been the first official opening. And as you can see, it's a bit of an exhibition space as well as a, a hub for artists. Okay. Um, so I, I believe the current work they have on is sort of like appointment and some um, open open sort of time slots to visit what it is that they're doing. And But they've got plenty of stuff online and I'm sure they're going to do more great things as well. Great. So if, you've, if you're listening to the podcast, just have a look at, at them. Yeah. It's quite, I, it's quite think, a nice place as well. Yeah, I think you can find them at Creative Spaces, Burnley on Instagram and Twitter. Facebook. Okay. The first question, uh, let's get straight into the topic. What is Burnley Empire? So the Burnley Empire it is a purpose-built music hall of varieties. It was built in 1894 for the people of Burnley to offer a you know, a different type of entertainment that that didn't have a big enough place to stop off in town at the time. So the Empire is the last remaining of five 
venues similar of its kind. It has been closed since 1995. So it's had a few different reincarnations of types of uses throughout the years. So when it was first built, it had all these world-class performers that went there. And as it went along, it was always at the forefront of technology and its offer to the town. It was the first place in Burnley to screen moving pictures. And as it went on, it, it did operate as a cinema as well, as an event space at the same time. Um, people say that gigs happened before the screenings. I believe there was a manager um, that was also a manager of bands at the same time as managing the Empire, and he'd get some of the bands on before film started. And as it went along and a bit of a decline and you know, people going out to these types of venues. Eventually, in the end, it became a bingo hall, which may have very well saved the building, to be honest. Um, so when it closed in 1995, that was when the bingo moved to a different venue in town. Um, and then it was listed as a grade two listed building in 1997, I believe, very much with the help of Theatres Trust. And that was mainly for the principal feature of the decorative plaster work by Bertie Crew, a renowned theatre designer, which makes the Burnley Empire that much more special. And it retains a lot of that decorative plaster work now, um, which helps us when talking about venue regionally, but nationally, it does have national importance because it is a rare example of its kind, you know, never mind the only one locally and regionally, but as, as part of the, you know, national portfolio of these venues it's one of very few that still remains so um yeah very much this incredible historic venue that's that's been sort of reawakened i suppose as we're on the journey to restore it when i did some research about the empire uh i realized the, around Burnley and around the northwest, northwest, it was so active. Obviously, it was a big industrial area, but there were so many uh, event spaces built for the occasion. I guess, I guess there were so many people to entertain as well. Yeah. And Burnley Empire was one of the biggest ones. Yeah. What's, in, what's the capacity of it? So the capacity, at its time, it, it would have been around 2,000 people capacity um, but it was also redesigned in 1911 um, so I mentioned Bertie Crew. the original architect architects were GB Rockliffe who were local but it was 1911 when Bertie Crew sort of reimagined the place and really put his stamp on and, and when he did that the capacity lowered slightly because he you know he was extending parts of the front of the circle to get these decorative features and putting his stamp on it as well um, so I suppose, you know, it, it's it's gone up and down over its time and its heyday. But to be restored today, you know, we'd hope in the region of a 1,200 capacity, but it's got three floors to it as well, essentially. So it could open as a 600 capacity ground floor, depending on what type of performance or event can be sort of happening there at that time. Yeah, we went earlier and I didn't realise how massive it was. Yeah, that, just, just I, I was enormous. pleased that you, you was impressed and you yeah. thought it was big. Yeah. It's massive. So when did you when did you come in then? When was the uh, the trust created? 
Uh, it's not just you, Sophie. It's also yeah. Michelle and Steve. But, yeah, um, Sophie knows more of the information. Than <laughs> um, <laughs> Steve just turns up. <laughs> Anything constructive by my way. I mean, I suppose it's been quite a journey to get to that point. So we were a group of people. It was October 2015. I remember being in a cafe in uh, Queen's Park, the Pavilion Cafe. And, you know, it, it was just people were starting to talk about this thing that exists and someone should do something about it. It came from a, um, a Facebook group. And so I ended up being in that meeting and that's how I got involved really ever since. And it originally started by just members of the community getting together saying that someone should do something about this venue. And and I actually, I was aware of it. I was always intrigued, but I never knew what was inside. I had no idea about the building. So we started to talk about it, do the things that we thought we should do, such as talk to Theatres Trust, who have been incredibly helpful along the whole of the journey, um, and the council, go through studies, things like that. And during our time of talking about it, seeing if it was viable, it went up for auction. And at that point, the, the owners at the time, um, it was it belonged to the Duchy of Lancaster's estate and they had it down as a bingo hall and a cinema. They actually didn't realise the historic importance or the existence of the group that were trying to do something about it. So they held off the auction and that must have been about 2016-17, I think. Um, and then, so we were on it, talking to people, trying to, you know, in, inspire anyone in a position to help to get involved and and it, it popped up for auction again. And, and at that point, we couldn't delay or, you know, hold off the auction anymore because they'd done it once, they'd given us time and it was up for auction. So that's when we decided to do something about it. It wasn't the plan, but no one's really sort of jumping in with us on this. So we decided to form Burnley Empire Limited in order to take ownership of the building. So so that's it really. I suppose we were, we were pushed into getting a bit more serious I suppose to to own the building because it was the right thing to do so that's how Burnley Empire Trust came about really so we were Burnley Empire Limited and then once we took ownership we were at the time working alongside National Trust who were incredibly supportive and helpful um, to the point of helping us secure office grant well as you know owners of the building through National Lottery Heritage Fund. We had a Resilience Heritage Grant, um, which was all about making us and the project more resilient. And that included getting charitable status and 12 months after purchasing the building on, I think it's the 5th of December, 2018. Alan, one of our other trustees, worked uh, with a consultant to gain charitable status that did take about 12 months, I would say. I remember being at the launch of Theatres Trust uh, at risk somewhere in London and, and it popped up on his phone that we'd got the status. So that was a good piece of work um, to create Burnley Empire Trust. Certainly when I got involved, because I wasn't involved from the beginning, but was got involved about two and a half years ago, one of the things that we talked about that I said I was so impressed with is, especially given my, my background, was that everything had been set up really professionally so I was impressed that the the asset i.e the building was um owned by the limited company so that from that perspective that the trustees were personally protected in terms of any liability and that alongside that that we had the 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 charity almost so the trust that sat hand in hand with that but also the governance that had been 
wrapped around everything and how you'd, you'd not sort of ignored any of that so for me coming into it later than everybody else I was quite not only excited about the project but comforted with the professional way that everything had been done to that point so it was really 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 good. There was obviously the Theatre Stressed organises theatres at risk and I heard you say that there was a, a donor that um, probably didn't give all the money but gave most of the money for to allow you to buy yeah. the empire is that right are you able to yeah. do you know the no- donor um, or you're just not yeah, allowed to say I think <laughs> yeah well um so and, I, and you know i think it just came it it just came out of the air how it all happened i suppose you know we we started to tell people we were going to buy this building we were all high on life and everyone thought we were absolutely crazy and probably including the theatres trust to to be fair so they were just generally sort of saying you know talk to this person that person you know just do you know what you're going to be taking on sort of thing so we'd just been chatting to a variety of different people and and um you know just in conversation with um someone that knew about buildings I suppose and and restoration um and it it however it happened um they'd gone from sort of hearing about this idea to wanting to support us so it it was originally um a loan because of course we were taking on that building with no money and you know insurance is a factor as well as maintenance as soon as we got the building Steve was there blocking up any potential entry points and you know because suddenly we'd gone from complaining um to the council that oh that that's open that that's dangerous things like that then it was us that were responsible for that and you know someone kindly donated some money to help us get things going and you know doing things properly I mean as Michelle said, you know, impressed that things have been done professionally and can't believe we'd, we'd just, we were doing it. We were jumping in because someone had to save the building for its future legacy and use for people of Burnley. And, and someone kindly donated um, some funds to us because they said that they wanted us to have a chance and, and you know, they also um, wanted us to succeed as well. That's why they did it. Do you know who you had against you in the in the auction? Uh, no, well, against. Yeah, no, I don't no, think. I don't. Do I don't think no. we did. No. Did anybody try to outbid you? Or? Well, it didn't go to auction because we managed to oh, say okay. get it sorted before auction day. So our deadline was five o'clock the day before the auction. And we managed to sort of... Right, I didn't get that. Sorry. Yeah, well, I, I know. <laughs> uh, so they offered it to us, say, 2016, whilst we were doing the study. And we were like, no way, we're just a group of people. And we don't even know if it's actually viable yet. So they, they hold it off auctioning it. And then it popped up for auction again. And we were still just a group of people. And like I said, there was about two weeks left. And we thought, OK, if we do this and that, we could do it. Um but they did offer it to us a, a pound, I think, if we could sort it all. And we said yes before auction. And the deadline was about 5 p.m. the day before auction. Um, 
Um, I think we managed to get a press article out that day as well. We had some support from Naphthan's solicitors um, who very kindly helped us transfer the ownership on that, you know, in the last half hour or something crazy, we drove over, got things signed and really kindly supported us with that, um, as well as Theatres Trust and National Trust, I suppose, and Theatre Search throughout the way. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, people may have gone the next day thinking it was up for sale. I'm not sure. Luckily, it didn't come to us turning up. But even if we did, I, I don't think we would have, you know, managed to get a bargain. I imagine, I think they did say, now thinking about it, they had some considerable offers, um, but that's all that we know. And I think, I believe that they were keen for the theatre to go back into community use, mm. which is probably why they didn't take their offers and they was keen for us to have a shot at, at doing it and going into ownership. How much did you buy it for? Uh, well, it, it was for say- it was for a pound, but we, we yeah. never we never we might owe them a pound. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we never some you know no, someone might take that up with us one day. <laughs> yeah, it's. It's like we um, had the Stratford Public Hall ah. and they bought it for £10. Wow. But it costed Ooh. them £100,000 to renovate it yeah. and mm. put it yeah. back into use, well, to be able to use it for the community. God. So, yeah, there's a lot of money to invest in renovation mm. yeah. and yeah. putting back to life. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, we're incredibly lucky we're that. Lucky. And it's fair to say about it. people like Sean and Jackie who have now left heaven but they were a massive help at the beginning of it all really yeah of course yeah like you know there's there may be us three and Alan that's not sat here at the moment but on the journey there's there's been different people and different people from different backgrounds that have have helped us get to this point so it has been very much like people from the community and you know this wasn't our thing before now it very much is but um and people that still support us that have been involved, they're, they're still around and when they can help, they will, I'm sure, and I hope. So you've raised shortly, so you've created that limited company, you bought the, um, the Empire and then you got advice from Theatres Trust to make it a charitable company. Yeah. yeah. And that's when the Burnley Empire Trust was created. Yeah, then you were able to raise money to do some works, renovate it, or put it some stabilization works to it. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Because um, we were a charity, so we were eligible to um, apply for a variety of different grant applications. Um, we, I mean, prior to that, we were lucky to get some funds with the support of Theatres Trust from Architectural Heritage Fund for the very first viability study that, that I suppose probably went through them um, when we were first funding. And then, like I said, we had the support from National Trust for this National Lottery Heritage Grant, which was about 44000 And then after that, and kind of even as as Burnley Empire Limited, we start to get some support through the um, Burnley Heritage Action Zone scheme, which is about, you know, reimagining the high, stri- high streets and bringing them to life. So the Empire was involved in sort of the first half of that scheme, that programme that I think has been, it's in its third or fourth year, um, I believe. So they helped us as well, um, as well as 
Architectural Heritage Fund, we, we revisited the viability study um, at different points as well. So, yeah, it, it's been beneficial to get that charitable status. And, you know, as well as fundraising and, and gift aid, it, it's, it's massively helpful to us. And the Heritage Action Zone funding was was quite critical for us, yeah. wasn't it, in terms of making the building stable yeah. and watertight? Yes, and yes, when we, when we basically sort of got the keys and we opened the door, it was full of asbestos, there was water coming in everywhere. So it, when you walk in there now and see it, it it's transformed massively in the last mm-hmm. four yeah. years, three, four years. But, yeah. but also um, community and donations, because between getting that... Uh, charitable status and more high street stuff or at, at some point during the pandemic we'd done a year's worth of work of you know like Steve says we'd just stepped into the building start to clean it up stabilize but actually build the information that we have about it of what we need to do next and how through survey work and building condition stuff um you know we were gearing up for you know let's go for the grants that can now help us with the building um but during the pandemic, any eligible grants that we could have applied for and were planning on applying for had just gone sideways because they had different priorities to, say, buildings that were already open but suddenly closed, um, not really where we were at from scratch bottom. So we had to turn to the public to get some funding to start on making it watertight. And the first roof works that we did... Uh, were partly funded by the public because we did a crowdfunder campaign uh, that was actually a crowdfunder challenge grant. We had much funding from Architectural Heritage Fund, but really, you know, that that helped us do the first clear up, clear up, clear up yeah. the strip out, you know, really made a difference. And these roof works, because Steve, yeah. with Steve's knowledge, knew what we needed to do and prioritise what we could with the money. Um, that was incredible, really, in such a, a tough time for was, everyone. Yeah. And yeah. I think because you look at, the, look at the size of it and we don't have the, the funds to do it only one, one go, we had to break it up into sections to see which bit was the, the major bits to fix first. So I think we're pretty, we've made it quite safe up there, I would have thought, on the roof now. Oh, in yeah. areas, not not all of it, but... What exactly did you have to do in the roof? It was all the uh, all roof. the eaves. So obviously that was the weakest part where the timbers had all rotted. So the water was coming in there, so you had to repair all that. But these are all temporary repairs, but they should give us at least five years, I would have thought. And then I think two stairwells have had rubber roofing, which is pretty much permanent. So it's a lot drier in there now than it ever has been for uh, mm-hmm. since we've been involved. And I think the thing we always experience, because we always talk about this, with anybody that gets involved that comes along to do any of the repair yeah. work, almost sort of get, you know, it gets the building gets under their skin. And so you find that your money actually does go a lot further because people are prepared to do a lot more for less. And that's just been yeah. really brilliant. And that's, it? that's it's been, been really that's, good. That's everybody from the demolition teams to the roofers to the scaffolders. It's, it's yeah. everybody, really. How do you communicate with the community? Do you have a... A newsletter, or do you have members? Uh, Mem- how does that work? We we've thought about doing some sort of friends members that we've not done yet, so we'd like to work towards something like that. But um, 
we do really well on social media and local press as well, like the Burnley Express um, and Lancashire Telegraph. They're really supportive and and great about spreading news about stories, um, anything happening, updates, which is great to get in get to those who aren't necessarily online because not everyone is online or sort of audience and following and supporters um other than that you know the usual facebook instagram and twitter who all have their own different audiences like on twitter we have a lot of football fans for example um that are really supportive which is incredible um so that that's great suddenly sometimes you know maybe when the football's on there's a lot of like twitter clarets um and turf cast that are retweeting our stuff and suddenly all these other footy fans and uh, which is really great so there's these different communities on different platforms as well and are you able to do to organize any events yet so outside of the empire not just near but somewhere in Burnley we hope to I mean over the years the Radio Lancashire things as well haven't you oh yeah Radio Lancashire that excellent Radio Lancashire for reaching people um think for events I mean we've done a fair share of fundraising mm. I suppose um yeah uh, Steve mentioned Sean and Jackie at one point like the Empire were huge Queen fans and I suppose we still are and yeah. we even had a drummer from Queen-esque yeah, my brother, uh, Steve's yeah. brother that was <laughs> that was behind the force of helping to you know talk about raise awareness and fundraise so yeah. um yeah we, we've done Queen, Queen-esque fundraising yes. events. And, and one at Turf Mart, because obviously Sean yeah, was a, is a magician. Yeah, magician. So uh, talk about using everyone's skills. Um, yeah. Sean, a magician. So, you know, at one point the theme, and it probably still is, we're big Queen fans and magician fans. So talk about the acts that have been on there. That's why we celebrate them so much. Um, so, yeah, we, we've had a magic night at the football ground at Turf Moor and even Chris that was involved who organised yeah. uh, Rocking on the Rooftop, I think, yeah. uh, Mr Green's from a music background. Um, so so we have done these fundraisers in the past and I think, you know, it, it's we're back after COVID and we can do these events now. We do hope to sort of link up... Um, with venues in Burnley because it's important this is a community project so we want to make sure that we're out there in the community doing this as well and Mm -hmm. so we hope to do more of that kind of stuff this year especially next year because it's the 130th anniversary of the opening in October Um, but also everyone is itching to get inside the empire and for, for us I think we all agree that you know this, these people, all these people are supporting us without going in there like we once, you know, we bought the building without even going in there. <laughs> um, so we're keen to repay people with that kindness of, you know, doing some open days. And we once organised open days, I think it must have been September 2019, we were going to do open days. Uh, but unfortunately, last minute, there was an issue with the asbestos and someone had gone in there and vandalised it. So it was just a no-no. Um, but we we did, we released these tickets in preparation that sold out in less than a minute. I know Slipknot tickets were on sale at the same time and are sold out quicker, even though there was probably a lot less tickets um, and they're sold out in like two minutes. But yeah, so there's high demand for people to get in there and support, but at the time 
that had to be cancelled, postponed. And we actually came here to the salon when it was formerly known as 160 and created an open day, as in opening the archives and unseen footage, that kind of stuff. So we would be keen to do something and help generate an income uh, for donations, but, you know, gain more support as well by by letting people see what it is that they're supporting. And, you know, we've been talking about this idea that is now becoming a reality. Um, so it's just reaching more people and making sure everyone knows that the Berlin Empire exists and what is inside. You did a feasibility study. What did that involve? What's, what are the conclusions? Can you explain a little bit more? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm always looking at yeah, you, Sophie, but Michelle I'll jump in a little bit on this. So the, we've recently had the feasibility for the stage house. So the I guess the empire in its entirety is a huge, huge project. And I think what we've sort of learned over the past year, few years is that actually it's probably going to be more feasible, more viable to actually do a series of smaller projects. And we've we've just had a viability study completed around actually bringing the stage house back into use um, as a, 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 a meanwhile use facility so that that can be used for, as a flexible space for performances for community events for education you know just create a space that's flexible um with the with for the community to use so that sort of feels a little bit more realistic to get your arms around as a as a project um and i feel like we're getting the right signs and signals from from some of the funders in terms of now that we're starting to talk about that as as the the start of the project rather than the whole beast if you like um it, it feels like we're getting more engagement and it's becoming more um you know you talk about big hairy projects and the doability of them this feels more doable in the in the sort of short to medium term than the than the longer project so i think that's got us a, a little bit excited in terms of um, getting the community back into the building so we could start with open days but then obviously if we can secure the funding to bring the stage house back into use then we can actually get people in the building and using it for real um, and we can start having you know we start operating whilst we then look at how do we then look at the auditorium and the and the wider project mm. um, going forward so that's quite exciting. How much does it cost to do that? The first, very first. So phase. the stage house, um, we reckon around about two million, and you would probably do that in two stages. So you would um, a million and a million, basically. So you'd put, you'd spend a million getting all the um, structure correct, the fit out, the utilities, etc., and then you the million would be getting it ready for people to come in for use. Okay. The more cosmetic stuff, I suppose. I guess you need to generate those revenues, show that there's a lot of people interested, and then you can take the second gear in applying for more funding, renovate it more, organising more yeah. different types of events. What sort of events would you would you be organising? Would you be able to organise? One of the things that came out of the report, which I think I'm going to say we always knew, but <laughs> it was nice to actually see it in black and white, um, was that there isn't really a venue in Burnley or, you know, sort of local surrounds of the town that's an alternative venue. Mm -hmm. The I suppose the other venues that are around are more, um, I want to say the word clinical, which probably isn't the right term, but they're sort of a bit more, there's nothing that's alternative that I guess the 
the growing student population of, of Burnley, given we've got the university here, we've got Burnley College, you know, there's quite a lot of young guys and gals that want to kind of come to a, a venue that isn't sort of clinical and hard lands. They want something that's a bit more um, rustic. And that was one of the key things that's that's come out really that that makes it totally viable in terms of an operation and in terms of getting people through through the door. Um, so we think that would actually lead us to probably some um, uh, music events. So lo- I know Sophie knows that there's quite a lot, uh, a lot of local bands. There's, there's, there's quite a big music scene and that would give them place to practice, but also a place to um, obviously do some live gigs, etc. But then also you could look at... Um, other community use, so using it as a, space, as a space for education, even people for coming in and looking at the plaster work and, you know, sort of real on-site learning about that sort of thing as well. Um, so there's all sorts of all sorts of flexible uses. So you'd, I think you'd probably have, we talked about in the past, having kind of, you know, you'd have some income generating, mm-hmm. but what would be really key is having some free events as well so that it's open to everybody clearly you're going to need to be generating some cash through through the operation obviously but we want to make sure that it's it's a space for everyone so make sure that you can get as much free things operating as well yeah it's it's hard to keep that balance between being open to everybody but also being financially viable and especially with those the the expensive bills that we have to pay now um it's really really tough there's there's some venues that I know they have they announced the the, the price at which they they would like to sell the tickets so uh, for events and then there's different uh, grades of prices saying or oh, well half of it or whatever you can is good or you can if you can't afford coming to the event or paying for that tickets you can still have it for free um, and I think that there's quite a lot of good answers and people pay the full price because they, they know the, the money is um, redirected or reinvested into the community. Have you got any relationships with uh, any organisations around that you could collaborate with and that would strengthen them and be, uh, with your presence, but also you would be strengthened from them? So, for example, there's... Um, you know, there's shops and bars that could benefit from people attending events in Burnley. Um, have you have you done that study? I, I guess I suppose we always see the we've always seen the empire, uh, the sort of catalyst for change of regenerating the area as well, and that snowball effect. Um, I say that whilst they are doing up this part of the high street as well. Um, so I mean, yeah, we we want Burnley to be. A destination for arts and culture but somewhere to spend time and money as well so that could be you go out for your brew whether you get a new outfit or you know you go out for your tea before going to the empire something like that and and even afterwards stay out in Burnley there's you know nightlife keeps going sort of thing so we're definitely keen that Burnley is there in the empire uh, in the community and the heart of the town as a venue but you know, this thing that connects to everything else as well. Um, and in terms of working with people, 
when I mentioned the fundraisers, we've been really lucky to get um, the venues hosting us um, because they're local and they want it to succeed and be supportive. Um, so we've done that kind of collaboration and we've been lucky to have things in shop windows as well um, that uplift the area, but also promote what it is that we're doing and what we have done. Um, and we've just, you know, to talk about support in the very early days, literally when we just started, there was Wayne Hemingway that I remember reaching out to and without any credibility behind us, he was one of the first people to sort of say, wow, this building needs saving and to be there as a support. And when we um, when we did sort of create Burnley Empire Trust, they supported us um, with a rebrand. So Hemingway Designs actually branded, created everything that we use currently as Burnley Empire Trust, which we were absolutely grateful for because they did such a, an amazing job. And I can see a hard hat now with the Burnley Empire Trust on that they created when we worked with one of their designers, Chloe. Have you um, got any stickers? Oh, we might do mm-hmm. in the Empire. Yeah. <laughs> I think it might be in that box. Um, I'd like to put one on my, uh, oh. my laptop. <laughs> We'll see what we can do. So as a collection, yeah. every place or every trust I've visited oh. and, in the, and in the sticker. I don't know, I'm just making that up. <laughs> well, I, and they are, they, we do have stickers somewhere. I think they are in the box, I think. Yeah, maybe. we'll... Um, and it's always, when, we, when the work's been going on at the Empire, people who are walking past, they're always praising and, and yeah. asking when is it open and stuff yeah. like that. So there's very, very little negativity. It's always positive mm. from the public, really. There was one day when... Um, so there's the empire of the building, then there's like a pavement that's cut off behind a fence and occasionally we have to weed the area. And um, I remember one time we were sort of cleaning up the area and there must have been a football match because there were all these football fans walking past saying, you know, like, go on, well done and take it. We actually got, I can't remember who they were playing, but someone that had never been to Burnley asking about us. I remember giving him a badge and saying, can you take a picture of us whilst we're weeding as well? This football fan that had come to watch uh, whoever they were playing, I can't quite quite remember. I know it weren't a Blackburn fan, but whoever it were, um, (laughs) they, you know, like, just that little bit of raising awareness just being there like actually being seen as well always helps with the hives and hard hats i think we had um support from the weavers triangle as well recently oh, yeah. didn't we so the weavers triangle is like a a, a local uh, cultural small museum um and they they put on an exhibition which was really well attended i think and people i know even a neighbor of mine came on the bus from Manchester to Burnley and um, who's uh, who's heavily involved in theatre for, for years and years and years and he, he stayed all afternoon he thought he thought it was fabulous so um, really really good engagement from wider than than the town you know kind of like you say na- nationally there's still there's still quite a lot of interest and I think Townley Hall as well have done a few things as well where they've exhibited so there's there's almost like non-official partnerships aren't they yeah. really where we've got engagement yeah. from other organizations like that solidarity i suppose yeah. and um yeah previously some of the i think they might have retired now um but there was the uh, curators and uh, managers at townley hall that would dip into their archives and share something but as historian historians themselves they had knowledge to share um pictures anything like that so yeah it's just 
it's just been amazing the amount of support we get locally and continue to get and interest nationally like the stage when they cover us uh, that that's just phenomenal really because then it puts us on a bigger platform for people to hear about us and and going forward we want to work with as many people as we can really because you know it's it's to make the place better for Burnley the people that live in Burnley and to bring people back to Burnley as well and you know complement the offer that already exists and and work together to strengthen that as well. Mm. I can see uh, as I've got two kids and every time we're trying, well, every weekend we try to find places to go to and not not always the same ones. Uh, and I can see the theatre being a, a destination with the museum. There's a park, car park just nearby, so it's easy to transfer. But then you spend your whole day for an event uh, at the Empire um, and after that you can visit Burnley go to places like this yeah. it would be um, easy yeah, you easy could to do and it's only 45 minutes drive from, from Manchester yeah exactly it's perfect for yeah, nap, nap exactly. time in the, in the car <laughs> yeah. and, and it's only £2 on the bus <laughs> yes. is it? X43 yes has the council got any master plans to renovate the whole city or a certain area to bring people, more people into Burnley? This, um, Do you know that? They've currently secured levelling up funding and and the football clubs are a, a big part of the town, um, so they are doing some works. I think it's Town to the Turf, which is in the master plan, um, which is repaving the floor, I think, from the town centre to the football club. So they're doing that at the moment, sort of um, making that bit easier access um, and you know, over over the years, I think we've gained a bit more confidence in the council and like the heritage action zone. Uh, we benefited a little bit from them when when we were part of their plans for that. And recently, me and Steve were in the Empire with the new CEO of the council, uh, Lukman Patel, who was at, who we'd met for the first time and he was incredibly kind and and came across as really supportive as well so I think for us it it has been to build the confidence with them because you know we started off by a group as a group of people that were you know complaining a lot nagging you know getting onto them a lot um and I remember when me and Alan went to the council to to meet Paul Gatrell and I'm sure he won't mind me saying this who we've who's been amazing as well, actually, at the council, um, who deals with all the planning and the development. And he, he's been really supportive. And I remember me and Alan turning up to meet with him and we, we were planning to tell him that we were going to buy it. And, and me and Alan must have just, you know, again, high on life, bouncing off the walls. We're going to buy the Empire. And I, I think he was a bit mortified, to be honest. Um, but look at us now. And he's someone that has continued to be mm. supportive He's always there at the other end of the phone, you know, credit to him. Um, so, yeah, we, we've we've got there with the council and, you know, I'm sure they'll, and I hope they'll support us when they can because, you know, also it is Burnley and they don't have a huge amount of money. They've got a lot of things to do. Um, so when and where they can be supportive, I'm confident and have the faith that they will 
It's the main thing. As long as they keep supporting us, that's, 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 that yeah. means more than at the moment. Yeah, yeah, more, more than, you know, money is, of well, course, is valuable, helpful, but, but yeah. to have their support, um, that's what it's always been about for us, for them to just say that they support it. And then, and, you know, we've had support from the local MP as well. Yeah. He's been encouraging. Yeah. Um, you know, which is something. I recently met the mayor who said that Burnley, the Burnley Empire was his favourite building in Burnley. Um, so we'll, we'll have to chat to him again. And, you know, he was talking about his memories and love for the building. So it's just, even though we've been talking about it for a few years, we always have to keep talking and, and we've, We've had councillors visit as well in the past mm. that Charlie Briggs, um, who remembers going when he was younger as a boy, um, up to the Green Party, who've been incredibly supportive. Um, I think during lockdown, um, um, councillor Andy Fewins from the Green Party was actually donating his allowance. Um, in one month, he, he donated some money to the Burnley Empire Trust, which was huge to us because we're grateful for any amount of money that we get. And it means a lot when, when someone does make a donation big or small. Mm. So, uh, you know, we're getting there and it, it's just about making sure everyone knows what it is and what we're doing mm. and the potential of that building. Um, so that that's really key and important for us going forward. It's crazy how much positivity and enthusiasm you can have around renovating a place, but how long it takes to get it up and running is another deal. Yeah. And it takes years yeah. and years. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we, we try to be positive and I, I don't know if we were going to talk about it, but we have a really good streak of gaining, you know, successful grant applications. And, um, okay, we didn't get the level in up front, but that's fine. We're on the radar. It's just more conversations that we do, but at least we're there anyway. You know, we actually had a chance and we spoke with the council and the consultants. So, you know, we we, we went through the test for that. But, um, you know, recently we, we missed out on the second round of the Shared Prosperity Fund, which it's fine. You know, there's there's plenty more grants. Mm. It's, it's not easy. It's not meant to be easy, but we just keep keep going really and the thing that you know we we wouldn't be a project if it wasn't for the people of the town and community that support us because that that's what keeps the project going and we do do stretch the money out how big or small we do we do stretch it to the max don't we really yeah like like joe the roofer you know that's a great job up there that's done above and beyond really anyone that we've worked with really and even UK restoration services they did they did more than they have to you know but Joe definitely goes above and beyond Mm. and I think as Michelle said earlier when people come and visit I think they actually want to help Mm. and you know they they do as much as they can whilst they're there to help us and to help the building, really. Mm. How, how long does it take and how hard is it to apply for funding? I presume the bigger the funding, the longer and the harder. But yeah, how, I think on average? I, it's a very naive question Some of the me, smaller but. funds, I think what we've found is, because we've done 
certainly for things like the leveling up where we had to produce a huge business case, mm-hmm. um, which took quite a lot of work um, behind the scenes. But actually what you find is that then when you go for some of the smaller funding, you've actually got quite a lot of um, material that you can that you can reuse and that mm-hmm. you can rework specifically. So, so some of the smaller funding is a little bit easier, but it still takes quite a lot of time because you have to be quite... The rules are obviously quite specific and quite rigid, so you have yeah. to make sure that you've you've met all the criteria. You know, so you, there isn't sometimes room for creativity in in some of the applications. It, it, you know, you have to make sure that you've ticked every every box. Um, certainly, for some of the things that we're looking at at the minute, which is bigger funding, that that will be quite a, quite a lot of work behind the scenes. So, quite a lot of financial modelling. And quite a lot of narrative that will need to be written up, business plans, the story around the vision and the and the future and what we want it to be. That can be, um, you know, it's, it's big, mm-hmm. it's big piece of work. Um, but I think we've got, as we talked about earlier, because we've got the different skill sets. So we've got Alan that can keep us sort of governance, and and Alan will always be the he'll test everything. So that's quite good because he can almost be the sort of critical friend in the group that'll um, check that we've, we've thought of everything that we possibly can. And um, I think, you know, I'll obviously bring that sort of financial modeling mindset. We've got Steve that's got, you know, so we, we, we kind of bring all that. I think we get quite a good outcome, but I think some of the, I'm probably rambling a bit now, but I think, well, I definitely am rambling, but I think some of the, bigger, chunkier um, funding applications. We've obviously got help coming from left, right and centre from people like Theatres Trust and Architectural Heritage Fund who will actually bring some more expertise into um, our team so that we can get the best package of, yeah. of, of, of applications that we that we can do. So that's fabulous that there's that support and yeah. it doesn't just rely on us kind of internally yeah. working but through it. There was um, uh, Peter Middleton that we worked with on our last Architectural Heritage Fund. And he was a massive support for us and really incredible in his expertise and encouragement as well, which was really useful. Um, I think everyone we've worked with has been amazing. And, you know, just, you know, Architectural Heritage Fund, for an example, like you'd never meet a nicer bunch of people, (laughs) you know, they're just so kind with the time and, mm. and knowledge, sharing the knowledge. But, you know, same for Theatres Trust. Um, they, they've definitely been a rock over the years, you know, just there to talk to as people, but also the empire and having that support. That, so, they, you know, Theatres Trust have been very important, really, to our venue and I'm sure all other venues across the country. They're massive, really David, good. David Wilmore's been there. Of course, that. David Wilmore. Yeah. yeah, David Wilmore's been there. Um, so David Wilmore. We're going to have David, hopefully, oh. in a few weeks or, well, months, I'd say, hopefully. Well, I, w- I was once on a tour. For the podcast. Um, I can't remember. Where was it? Um, I was once on a tour somewhere as a theatre at a theatre and someone actually stopped the tour to say you need to there was a tour guide stopped it to say that you need to talk to David Wilmore yeah. he you know he has the most knowledge you know within Europe you know he is the pro and and that was like there was a tour guide there and this guy just stopped it and said you need David Wilmore <laughs> he wasn't there that day um but That's yeah nearly exactly what Claire from Theatre Stress said really 
you need to speak to David and oh, have yeah. him in, in your podcast. Yeah, yeah, and you know, David again, you know, just so kind and generous with his time. He was always there. He's always there. And yeah. you know, gets a call at me at like half four on a Friday when he's wrapping up for the weekend. Is um, yeah, he, he's he's been incredible. He he was involved with the very first viability study before us, uh, when there was a local um, Amdram Society, Burnley Light Opera Society, who wanted to do something with the Empire when it first closed in somewhere between 95 and 97. So he, he's been involved since then, really, um, of something to happen with the Empire. And we got in touch and I think he'd just been waiting to hear from someone so, so he's been incredible, absolutely knowledgeable. Oh, his knowledge is yeah. like encyclopedic, isn't it? About yeah. it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's come to Burnley and helped us, yeah. you know, um, and supported us with like the open days. And he's the one that knows about Bertie Crew as well and has all that knowledge. And, you know, and he's just generally passionate and, at what he does and just incredible. Can you describe exactly how helpful the Theatre Trust was, what they did, what support you, you got? Probably not maybe funding, but more guidance and direction? Yeah, well, well, in the very early days, I think in the first instance, um, someone who was previously involved, Jilly Grisfontaine, um, she first wrote to Theatre Trust. It would have been about late 2015 and again I think they'd been waiting to hear about the Empire perhaps or a group that was interested so they were really pleased but you know how do you save this thing that you've never been in and you don't really know much about um, so I remember early days people wrote to Theatres Trust in the first instance and, and maybe that's how we got introduced to David Wilmore I believe and even in them early days David Wilmore came and spoke to us about the Empire um, but they were sort of incremental on building an, a, an initial stakeholders group uh, with the council, with Burnley Civic Trust, Burnley College, UCLan and ourselves, which was initially talking about the empire and getting the very first viability study commissioned. Um, so, you know, they had our backs and they were the ones sort of supporting and championing, moving forward to do something about the empire. And they were that voice of credibility, I suppose, that was able to say, you know, theatres in a worse position have been brought back, you know, give it a chance um, and give them examples and talk about it. But even with the, every year there's the Theatres at Risk uh, registered that's launched, that brings new awareness. Which um, is a great initiative. Yeah. So, in, in, you know, talk about funding. We have been successful um, in grants from them that have supported us. So we've uh, recently got the Resilient Theatres and Communities, I think, grant through the Theatres at Risk. And that is £12,000 that we were awarded for survey work in the stage house. So it links up to what Michelle was saying about the viability study, um, you know, what their funding is helping us to move forward and enable more action on that uh, plan to restore that type of space for a meanwhile use. Um, but in the very early days, the viability study needed funding. So um, 
they helped us, you know, with negotiations, talking with the council, encouraging them, who put some money towards it. Theatres Trust actually put some money towards that first phase of the viability study. And then the rest was down to us to fundraise, um, as well as we did get something from Architectural Heritage Fund. I think we needed to raise about £7,000 ourselves for the split viability study. It was done in two versions. The first hurdle, if it wasn't viable at all, just quit, you know. And we said we we would back down and and that would be that. But it it was viable and we continued to do the second one to explore even more. Um, But they were there for that. And, you know, down to thinking about buying the building and having those conversations, putting us in touch with people. And, you know, we mentioned earlier about it's it's been up for auction twice. The first time during those viability studies, it was Theatres Trust that were talking to the solicitors for the Duchy of Lancaster or the representatives, if you will, to negotiate with them a time frame and a time scale of, you know, knocking it on the head for now and maybe revisiting selling it in the future. Um, So, you know, they were there, massive advocates and having those conversations and everyone that works there, again, incredibly kind. Um, We've we've met a few of them over the years um, with, you know, a, a bank of expertise as well for different scenarios that have helped us along the way. So, yeah, just incredible. And we recently attended a workshop at home in Manchester that was, you know, talking about um, governance and building. And and luckily through that meeting, we had a tour of home, which was quite inspiring. The Chair of Theatres Trust is there at home um, in Manchester. So, yeah, it's just incredible, the people that they've introduced us to, the knowledge that they've shared. And, you know, goes back to getting that listing status as well, because when the empire closed, they were not much hope for it then I suppose if you will in terms of political support and people championing it and wanting it to be open in those times there were different plans for the area and the town so they you know they've kept it going really they've they've helped massively more ways than they'll know and possibly us you also got some um work done or collaboration with Manchester Architectural School is that right yeah Manchester School of Architecture yeah Um, yeah and there's a few posters that were displayed how did that start I presume it's a professor that was in touch and knew about the the empire and wanted yeah yeah um so it was Vicky at um, Manchester School of Architecture that just reached out and they they were interested in um their students visiting town like Burnley and looking at looking at it from different angles and seeing how they could sort of perhaps problem solve and reimagine through you know architectural and and have a meaningful and purposeful place in the community as well um so students recent graduates that graduated last year worked on the empire looked at it and um they were actually the first large group to come yeah. and come inside how many was it about 30 of them, oh there was a lot um, yeah they, they traveled over on the train um yeah. to have a look at the empire i think they'd come on rainy day and heard about me talk about it from the outside and as we were going along with stabilization works and clearing it we thought okay yeah this would be a good test um so they came over with the students um some sometime last year to have a look and the nice thing is that 
these students. And, and Manchester School of Architecture is one of the top universities as well for architecture. And, and these students turned up that were from all over the world. And actually they, they turned up and they knew the empire like the back of the hand, you know, they'd been studying it and, and looking and thinking of ways of reimagining it and how it could serve the community. And There's some great ideas. Yeah. Some weird ones, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Go on, give us some examples. I think the weird one was, uh, was it making it into a pie factory or something. I just don't know how we saw that, but anyway. But no, there's a few good ones. One was like a walkway uh, for like models and that to walk in on the uh, catwalk and stuff. Yeah, like a fashion Fashion house. Fashion yeah. I mean, really imaginative and, and, you know, we were so grateful for that connection as well. And and we've kept in touch with some of the students that have have offered to do things for us that that will definitely be taking them up on that um, to help us. And so we managed to sort of, through the Heritage Action Zone scheme, we had a slot in an empty shop to sort of showcase something. So after their exhibition, which was about this time last year, they had that up in Manchester, I went to see it. It was just all Burnley, Burnley, Burnley Empire. And then um, they offered it to us. So um, Vicky dropped it off one time, the exhibition. So we've got all the panels that from every student that feature their ideas and what it is that they were doing, working towards. And we hung that in Burnley um, and we had a really positive response and it did wonders for raising awareness, but also, you know, it's a moment in time where there were some visuals of how it could be. And yeah, maybe not a pie factory. Pie factory maybe not, amazing. maybe not that, but. No one had a skateboard park inside. That was kind of Yeah, cool. I think we could still do skateboarding inside yeah, the Empire, definitely. Uh, but, you know, just to see what it could be and just ideas. But with them being involved, they came over to Burnley, did their own consultation and spoke to people on the market, interviewed people, what they thought of it, what they thought of the area, the town. Um, so that was a really positive experience for us. And we've had a new wave of students uh, visit since. And I think some of them went a bit rogue going past the barriers and like looking in the nooks and crannies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We had to sort of catch a few of them. But, you know, it, it's amazing that we can share that with people and that we're at a point where, you know, we've always said the building or this project is bigger than the building. It's about taking people on that journey, but for as many people that can learn from it as possible as well. So if that is giving these students an experience of this type of project and gaining access and reality of what it is, what it takes and, you know, then an insight into that, then that's great. That's what we want to do. We want to provide those experiences. But again, you know, actually that that's this place in Burnley that's attracting people from Manchester, from the city to come to us and look at this venue, you know, so it's not even open yet or restored yet, but people are wanting to come and get involved and, and learn more. Could you just open it now to the public and do an arts exhibition or like a series of posters about about Burnley Empire? We'd like to, and I think we're close. I think we're close. So, I think we're, yeah, yeah. We're very close. So we did receive funding from the first round of Shared Prosperity. Um, and again, that money stretched. Um, but part of that, we actually 
um, built something that we've been talking about wanting to do for a long time, which is a safe walkway into the building. Um, so we've got that now. We're just considering, do we need to extend, extend that? It, yeah. What else do we do to have absolute maximum safety for people going into mm. that venue? Um, you know, more than anything, what we would love to do is invite people into the empire because we want to do that. We, we want things to happen. Um, but there's things that happen around Burnley and in Burnley like the British Textile Biennial uh, with a super slow weight and we'd love that venue to accommodate some big installations, something that really celebrates and, you know, enables a different type of arts and culture and some sort of event. So that's something that we're working towards. And there has been, as Michelle mentioned, the recent viability study, you know, part of that concluded a space for music and exhibition. So it is something that we're really keen anything that doesn't already happen it can happen at the empire it's big enough you know i imagine some sort of like lee bull sculpture in the stage house area or anything you know we're pretty lucky that we've got support from people in the industry as well even you know someone like um mark titchener who's worked in burnley before coincidentally but he's supportive visited him a few years ago now at his studio in London and you know I was updating him about the empire so he he does great things with his art and what he produces around the world it'd be great to sort of we talk about our own version of leveling up and it is that sort of celebrating people in Burnley as well as bringing people new things so you don't always have to travel out for all of this type of type of things that exist in the world yeah yeah, it would be great, wouldn't it, to bring, you know, something that's a, a, a like we were talking about earlier, you know, a London style exhibition and be able to have an installation in the in the Empire. And I don't I, I don't think we're that far away from that. No, I, I, don't I think honestly so, no. think it it feels more of a reality now than it than it ever has done, I suppose. What are your goals then for the for the future? And what's your big goal? What would you love? to happen what are your ambitions and what are the next steps the short term next steps and the big goal well from a construction point of view the, uh, the stage roof get that water tight get the pigeons out really so then that's asbestos free and pigeon free really and water tight so that's, that's we're almost there I think really on, on that aspect I think we're pretty good about talking about this place and this space that you know to us is the most wonderful place on earth as well by the way and you know it will work and it will happen but it will happen and it is happening um but i guess yeah reality is got to get a bit more wind and water tight and yeah, um that's the last term we can remember when three years ago we were nowhere near this so to, to talk like this now it's, it's massive yeah. for us really. oh yeah it was so. just i think once it's you know as steve says once we've got that final bit of the roof sorted there and we were chatting before we started recording you know structurally the build we're really lucky that the yeah. building is structurally really sound yeah. so we've then got a almost like a blank canvas a little bit to then um realize the the ambition that that kind of the stage house viability report sets out so i think you know that would be the ambition for, for us in terms of making sure we can bring that stage house into use. Obviously, there's a, an element of significant funding to be secured to be able to do that. But I think that 
that feels like a, a medium term ambition. Um, I guess in terms of longer term vision, we want the whole building back into use, but um, I think we need to be both patient and impatient on that one. <laughs> We've got to be patient. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel lucky to be involved in this as well, you know, coming into this and gaining all the experience that I have by just being involved and, you know, being able to go in there. um, You know, it's just incredible. Um, But, you know, it'd be great if we can do something on that stage for the 130th anniversary next October. That would be incredible. And as Michelle says... I think we are actually getting closer and you know we, we're going to be thinking very carefully about okay if, if we do do open days this year because we're in reaching distance we just we don't want to spoil it by doing it too soon it's just it has to be right for people to get in there and you know it's um it, it's just such a worthwhile and meaningful thing that and of course yeah we've got rose tinted glasses on <laughs> as, as well as it being the best place on earth that you know, but it should be done. And and we were in there earlier and just like even me that's been in there a few times and just seeing it, it's just blows me away mm. every time. It is such an incredible building. And I was quite pleased when you walked in and you were impressed as well. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you kind of lose the a bit. The size of, of it and the um, all the decorations that need to be preserved yeah. is incredible. It, it should be done and it will be done. It has to be, you know, it's... And we were chatting earlier about, OK, two million is a big number for the stage house, but actually it would cost a lot more to get rid of, demolish the building, you know, in the first viability study. That was something that was looked into and that was a considerable amount of money. How much? Um, it, I think it would be in the region of two to four million okay. to get rid of the building, but that was quoted a few years ago. So of course that may be even more now. Yeah. So why not use half of that money to get it going? And then at that point, you certainly build in confidence to get the rest going and you've got that presence. People can see something is happening because a lot of the time it's us tag teaming grant applications mm. and getting quotes, Steve out there chatting with people. Um, so yeah, it's really important for it to be seen literally be visible that it is happening as well as we can say that it is happening um so yeah it, it seems reachable the the amount of money that we've got as a target we're just climbing that ladder really yeah mm. and getting there and we've got a plan and you know we planned and we planned again as well and you know we'll we'll just we'll continue to do what we're Maybe doing as sophie said earlier we've been really pretty successful in terms of funding yes you know there's been a couple of funds that we've not been successful with but the shared prosperity okay we've got some of the first round but we've not got any of the second round so you know fair enough and we're thankful to them that we got the so i think we've got we've built that credibility in terms of being able to secure those secure those funds and every conversation we have with other funders is always really really positive and they're always keen to work with us and 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 keen on the project and think the project's the right direction to go. So that sort of gives us confidence to keep going at it, really. Yeah, and you know, the, we've we've been learning throughout it as well. And okay, you know, what what works, what do we need to be doing, and when do we need to be doing as well? That's important. Um, so yeah, I feel like we're probably in the best position we have been when it comes to us knowledge and writing the bids and what to go for. Kind have of you stuff. got? Have you got any architects involved in the 
or are you going to do that later? Well, well, we, we probably students, <laughs> students yeah. Uh, I suppose we're getting there. We're getting there. We're, we're getting very, there. Yeah. I think that's probably one of the next big stages, actually. When I mean, it comes it's to architects, but like the whole a whole design team to thoroughly have a look at yeah, yeah no innovations. I, I mean, we've we've always liked this idea of like an arrested decay approach, taking inspiration uh, from Ali Pali and the recent work that they've done a few mm-hmm. years ago. Um, we quite like that approach and we've had a few people on our radar yeah. and whatever, but... We've never got ahead of ourselves, have we? We never thought, we've, we've always, <laughs> bit by bit, save this bit, save this bit, and then we're... Because a building of that size, you need structural surveys and conditional surveys are quite a lot, so mm. once they're all in, then yes, architect will be the next next one to get in, really. Talking about people that we've worked with and, like, you mentioned structural surveys, uh, we've, we've worked with... Um, Richard and Linda at Job Clues okay. for a few years that have been actually incredibly supportive yeah. of what it is that we've been doing and working with us to grants and to timescales um, to look at, you know, and monitor the condition of the building, the integrity of it and the condition of it. They've been really helpful yeah. in, in terms yeah. of that and actually, you know, starting to sort of get that familiar out familiarity whatever the word is you know it 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 helps for them to know the building and to be seeing it and I think them themselves have even said that they surprised you know that actually they first came and they was probably a bit more worried than what they are now but you know everyone you know really champions what it is that we do on the building name dropping obviously Billy from JW Asbestos there right at the very beginning they they came in and and cleared it all out I mean they did more than they probably Oh yeah, always, yeah, Mm -hmm. always. Yeah, Um, yeah, it's incredible. And, you know, even at the moment we have things in storage at Storefest in Burnley that we desperately needed the help over lockdown when some of the plaster had dropped and it wasn't safe to keep it in the building. It was at a point when people were breaking in. Now, you know, it's the most securest it's ever been, absolutely. And we're looking to bring items that we've had in storage, such as doors with um, the um, decorative glass in there and first lot of plaster work that we collected back into the empire because it's a huge building. We can use it for storage um, now as well as items that Steve keeps sneaking in there. There's like a front room in there now. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it is incredible. And you talked earlier about collaboration and support. And, you know, I've mentioned it's a community that that backs this project. And, you know, maybe it'd be different if, if it was a big organisation, someone else doing it. But at the moment, everyone is so incredibly supportive. It's, you know by the community for the community very very much and you know that's what we're working towards putting it back into use for the community that's creating access to arts and culture that might not be here but you know making sure it's accessible as well that's the key thing especially when you talked about them varied ticket prices making sure it's fair and you know people can come it's for everyone that's what we want it to be i've got a few last questions uh, to wrap up and the first one is, what's your best memory about the Empire or the whole process of getting the Empire fit for purpose? I think the best memory is when you first walked in for that first time. I think that's 
Yeah, yeah that, that's, you'll never forget that. From looking from the outside, is you just see a big ball, but once you go in there, you don't expect to see what what's actually in there, really. Mm. So, yeah. Worst memory, I, I suppose, when you go in there and people have broken, that's probably the worst memory. But we've, what happened? Um, all the vandalised stuff, don't we? And, and, and some of these urban explorers break in, which find they say they're not doing any damage, but the damage they do to, to get in there costs costs us really to repair it. So it's mm. where we could spend the money elsewhere. But hopefully that's stopped now. But yeah. I would agree. I think I think the best memory is when you first walk in. So um I joined the group in the middle of the pandemic. So it was quite a while before and in fact we were writing the business case and I'd not even been in the building. <laughs> So that was hilarious. But um, when we could eventually, I could come and visit and walked in, like you said, you you don't know what's behind that wall. And I was just amazed, but I could immediately, because we'd been writing the business case and I'd sort of done that blind, I immediately could visualise that this space can be brought back into you straight away. It was was, as straight as I walked through the door. It was quite impactful. Um, And I think that's just... The, the best memory but then I think also in terms of my short time just the work when we got the funding from Heritage Action Zone and we got a, a decent enough amount of money and we were able to just keep cracking on and, and and making sure we got the most out of that money to make a difference to the building to get it watertight to get it structurally sound um, obviously more to do but that that was sort of I guess operationally the four of us working together really well was uh was was a was a good memory and I won't do worse memories because I'm not good at that <laughs> I, I, I suppose my my best memory must be going inside the empire as well and I guess you know for we did not step foot inside that building until we bought it we, you know no wonder people thought we were crackers but we just powered on because it was the right thing to do but I remember um the first time I went in I think I was going to meet someone it was actually Fee who has a work up here we we're going to meet in a cafe and I was running late as usual and Steve was at the Empire about to brick up the one of the stairwells that went up to the gods and he must have said oh do you want to pop in I thought go on then I remember running up these stairs that were absolutely never ending jumping over a hole in the floor to just look down on the gods and sort of have a quick look and yeah. then that was my first view and then I had to <laughs> rush off sort of thing um but I think I remember the colours of the building and you look at photos for forever and you know um and it's just it actually looked like the photos it looked like it was supposed to look at and it didn't really disappoint and it was such a familiar thing like you go into a space for the first time and you get that feeling and this was a bit of a different one it was familiar I'd known it so well because I looked at the photos for many years been talking about it and just to go in and and one thing I remember someone shining the light, I think it was Chris at the time, who, and we were stood in a box that helped with, you know, raise awareness, fundraising, the limited company, and he was shining his torch around and it just caught a bit of glitter on the trim of the circle that went round Presidium Arch. And so it was like, it was from the bingo era, definitely, but, you know, this big, under all that rubble and, you know, it looked like a war zone, it still had its sparkle, the building. Mm. It just sort of That's glimmered cool. a little bit in the light, which was quite sweet. And I'd love to keep keep the glitter. I don't know if we will do, but, um, yeah. You need to keep that 
effect. There's you get that effect a lot when you you just don't know what there is behind a wall or into big volume, but you don't even realize how big the volume is. And as soon as you step in the auditorium, it's like wow, it's just massive. I got that impression as well um, in Hume. So it's just um, there's the Hume Hippodrome, but there's also the I think it's called the auditorium. It's, it's occupied by the Naya Nayamus, the organization, and um, it, the building is doesn't look that nice from outside. But when you step in, then you've got small uh, corrugated um, uh, corridors, and suddenly you you get into the theatre, and it's it's amazing. It's massive, and it's been uh, obviously it needs a lot of repair, but it's like the the volume of it with all the decorations is really impressive. What's your ultimate dream? Something that you don't think would be feasible? Well, everything's possible. Everything's possible. You've just got to work hard for it. Um, Yeah, I don't think there's any end to our dreams and ambitions. So we've got the, we've covered the practical element where we think it's feasible to bring the the stage house. But I, I guess... There's the the wider building, but there's also the surrounding area as well. So I think there's something about, yes, if we can complete the whole project, i.e. we don't want it to be a spangly, velvety theatre. We want to keep it as a as a rest of decay. Um, but there might be something where Burnley Empire can expand further than just that building so being able to bring the the empire presence onto the onto the high street onto st james street so have some some access to the building from that point and even even further surround so um it's just such a huge um asset on on that side of the the street there in terms of the the cow lane elevation if you like but it'd be great to see the empire down St James Street in whatever way, shape, or form that might that may take. So that's the dream, but yeah, it's yeah. not quite that's a reality. Yeah. Like, I said this earlier that we're generally on the same page, and I could not agree more. Like I was going to say, you know, it rooted in the community. Mm. Want the empire to be, and it is, and it is at the heart of the community. It's in the heart of the town as well. But you know, championed by all. You know, it's it's a place to be proud of, you know, for the council to be backing it and be saying, you know, having, you know, we we have this place and it'd be great to have like a road sign that points down to the Burnley Empire. Yeah. That's what, every time I'm coming back into town, you know, whether it's bus or getting a lift and I just think it'd be great to have Burnley Empire a part of... Yeah, with the brown sign. Yeah, 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 Burnley Mechanics... Townley Hall, Burnley Empire. I'd like the, uh, the dome back on. That'd be cool. Oh, the dome. Oh, the dome. Yeah. yeah. That would be good. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Can you not already put it? Uh, that sign. Oh, oh, the sign. Oh, yeah. uh, I, don't, I don't think I we're don't ready think for that so. yet. <laughs> 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 yeah, we've knocked up Steve. You could do some of these, don't we? <laughs> I like, you know that? I like that you've you've done your, it's not a fresco, but in front of the um, the railing or we can clearly see it's Burnley Empire and there's a theatre there. So having that visible all across the the city is is great and well, great marketing, I guess. Yeah, it's just, I just wonder, I hope it's, you know, truly celebrated 
and, you know, reinstated in its position in the town as this destination mm -hmm. for arts and culture that does bring people on the bus for £2 or the train for £12.60 to return, whatever, you know. It's, um, <laughs> it's, it's easy to get out of Burnley, but it's also very easy to get into Burnley. And, you know, Jay's doing great things here with Salon and, you know, you have your other venues in Burnley, massive music scene like the Royal Dash, you know, they do incredible stuff that pull people in and, you know, we, we want to be a part of that. And we want people people to really sort of celebrate and to for the town to be proud of it as well. Create the buzz. <laughs> what sort of advice would you give to a group of people who are interested in renovating a theatre, an old theatre, like, well, starting from fresh in the beginning? It's fine people you can work with. Yeah. That's, that's mm -hmm. the, yeah. That's Make sure you've got a good team. Yeah. And that you can, yeah, that you can yeah. all work hard together. And I think, I think I said it earlier, almost be, you need patience and impatience at the same time, which is probably a bit, a bit strange. But I think you've got to have the patience because it's going to take a long time. But you've got to have the impatience so that you, you keep, you keep on it in terms of funding, and mm. you've got to, you've got to have the tenacity to keep going. And even if you get the, the, the knockbacks, you know, you, you need. You've just got to be resilient to that, and just and just just keep going. Nothing's personal. It's you know, it's just funds. Funds are short, and you'll get some. You won't get others. And um, yeah, you've just got to. You've just, just got to keep going. The, that person's strength is, and that's you just have, divide them up into that. So you do that. Yeah. You do that, and that's yeah. I find with projects, it's really hard to gauge whether you're stubborn or whether you, it's worth to keep going. But this is definitely worth. It's worth it. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's so worth it. But you know, we 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 can sit here with a bit of hindsight, but reality is, it's it has been so hard. It's been, it has been hard, a roller coaster, up and down, and you know, there's been times where we're just working all hours, and yeah, it has been a bit horrific. But it's that end goal of if we didn't step in, then it. I don't know where that the empire would be at the moment. If we if we didn't step in, to be honest, mm. and you know, even if. If if we stopped now, what would happen to yeah. the building? Who knows? So it, it takes a group like this, I think. And then, of course, as a charity, you know, we're able to unlock and access these funds that are hugely important to us and the building. Um, and, you know, Theatres Trust, thankfully, exist to support us and, mm. and similar projects. Um, I really... Um I'm really hopeful that in three, four, five, don't know how many years, uh, years time, I'll be able to come back and do another episode of yeah, with definitely. in the theatre, renovated, up and running, and say what you've been through over yeah. those three it's years. Dirt, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, great. Well. Thank you. How can we get in touch with you or follow the uh, the trusts? You've got an Instagram account. You've got yeah, um, yeah. I think Twitter. As yeah, well. if you search Burnley Empire, you'll find us um, on all social media platforms, or it's just at Burnley Empire on everything, um, or BurnleyEmpireTrust.co.uk to find a little bit more on our website and sign up to a mailing list as well. You can do that, but hopefully, you know, there's there's a lot more to come from us, and hopefully, a lot more to see and do as well. 
that we can hope to offer people later this year. Great. Cheers, guys. See you later. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.